You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 450. I am Tim Robertson, and joined by Zoom is David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. A little bit achy today. Had the jab yesterday. Yeah. You did what? I had the jab. That's what we oh, get. What no. is that? You, you, you call it a shot there, don't you? We call it a jab yeah. when you get an injection. Yeah, it sounds way worse. <laughs> I got a shot Unless you're yesterday. in a bar. <laughs> Unless you're in a got bar, a of course. Yeah. No, even that's worse. Yeah, anyway. Um, I had it yesterday, so... Um, I'm immune! immune. Did you get the one that takes two shots or one that takes one shot? Oh, all of ours take two. We're, we're on yeah. the two thing. But we're doing the extended gap, so I won't get the second one for three months. Which yeah. I'm told is better. Uh, yeah, you're told that, but I'm reading conflicting reports. You're a dead well. man. <laughs> Put it this way. I'm not, having having had the jab, I'm not going to change my behavior. I'm not going to go, you know, dancing n- n- naked through the streets. I'll see people cough on me. So you're um, going to stop doing that then? <laughs> exactly. Thing. About time. I mean, it was kind of embarrassing when we'd be at a Macworld Expo in San Francisco and you insisted Dad, coughing yeah, on you, you forget that. while you're naked. It you was forget, weird. You forget in <laughs> Moscone in San Francisco, that's standard operating procedure. Did I ever tell you about guys the, around uh, there who do that. that? Did I ever tell you the story about uh, the guy uh, peeing in the road? <laughs> well, when, was that when you were, you were in a cab? Were you in a uh, cab with Guy? Uh, no, that's when we about hit somebody. Well, actually, we All did right, hit okay. somebody. But uh, <laughs> we were it was me and uh, Larry and and Guy. But no, this was at a uh, I want to say a Mac Geek Gab Mac Observer party. And so uh, I I go outside and I think this maybe this was in a cab too. I cannot remember, but this homeless guy right in the middle of the street just whips it out and starts going like no big deal yeah. we're like welcome to san francisco Ugh. yeah well but, you know unfortunately a lot of those people have you know issues that have never been dealt with and um so being homeless is is only one of their many problems and that's unfortunate you know yeah but, it is what it is i suppose yeah i just uh, in fact when i would, last summer yeah, last time I was in San Francisco, um, they t- somebody told me I was on a, uh, a tour with uh, Vianne and Charlotte, and they said that um, the reason there's so many homeless in San Francisco is because they used to have a program where they asked cities to bus their homeless to San Francisco, and they no. were going to deal with them all there. They never and, asked. Um, oh, well, anyway, they all ended up there, and apparently they're now talking about putting them on an island in the middle of the bay. Not Alcatraz, but Alcatraz Light, where yes. there was old, oh, not, yeah, old Navy base, and they were going to move all the homeless there, which I thought was um, didn't sound particularly constitutional, but there you go. Well, I mean, unless they want to go. But then I they can't. They, who wants to go live on an island? Unless your name's Wait, Yeah, again. exactly. I, I went to the island as part of the tour, and it wasn't a very nice place. It was cold, windswept, horrible. Yeah, and um, you, and, and not only that, dude. That's when you about. were in Chicago. What are you talking? That was Chicago. 
you got to get it right. Um, I know it gets confusing sometimes. Yeah. But but also, you know, as you just said, these guys are peeing in the street and other things in the street. Uh, Does that really mean that they're capable of making a considered and consented decision about where they want to live or not live? You know they're going to just round them up and put them in a van and take them there. Oh, yeah, that's... That's the thing now. Um, the American way. <laughs> just ship them out somewhere. So yeah. this is Tech Fan. Let's talk about a little bit of technology. This is the episode where we we'll return to um, our wiki trolling. We're going to be talking about the Bose Corporation. But first, well, uh, we did the Bose Corporation. Things. We didn't do the. We did uh, the. We did the did Bose Corporation the, last time. We talked about Bose, but we didn't. Did we actually do the wiki trolling? I felt we did, but no. <laughs> okay. I mean, we we well, touched on it, but we didn't really. We said we right. were going to do a full bows. All right, you're the boss. Because I don't remember talking about half this stuff. Okay. So, well, first let's talk about Tesla a little bit. Um, mm. You put this note in the in our little notes thing here. This yeah. link, I should say. Tesla recars vehicles over failing touchscreens, and you were like, that's it for you. You're never going to buy a Tesla. Because well, Tesla was trying to get out of actually doing a recall. Did you read the story? No. Why would I no. do that? Right. So, uh, the the gist of this story, this is Model S's and Model X's built between 2012 and 2018. And the problem is the memory chip in the MCU that controls the touchscreen fails. Uh, the difficulty with this is that the touchscreen in, in those model Teslas does a lot more than the standard touchscreen does in a Toyota. It controls the turn signals, it controls the rear view camera, it controls the air conditioning, including the front screen defrosting. Um, and yeah, it also, uh, all the indications related to turn signals and the autopilot feature will be disabled if that doesn't work properly. At the time, Tesla acknowledged the issue and said, with the turn signals, uh, if the display was not working, the driver can perform a shoulder check and use the mirrors. If the screen is not visible, control the climate on defrost the settings, the driver will be able to manually clear the windshield. So their workaround for this was wipe the windscreen. Yeah, And this is the, the point. Now, you made the point. You said every auto manufacturer tries to get out recalls because they're expensive. For the most part. Uh, yeah, but I, my, my argument is that if you put so many car-critical functions into an el- piece of electronics and it fails, and your only initial answer to that is, oh, well, just kind of figure it out for yourself. Look, Make sure you look a bit harder. Um, and these are core safety functions in the way the car works. To me, that just says that this is a company that um, really... Uh, you know, screw the facts of a recall. They should be fixing this as a matter of course. And maybe they shouldn't have designed it in the first place. And to turn around to customers who spent a lot of money on very expensive cars to basically say, well, you know, if it misses up and you can't use the heating, just give it a wipe. It'll be all right. Is, uh, is to me, objectionable. Um, and underlines the fact that I would now, uh, you know, great as the, as the concept is, I would never buy a Tesla. Um... It would have to be a really good deal for me to even consider a Tesla. Uh, their build yep. quality is just really poor, to be quite honest. Um, 
you know, I've had customers trade in Teslas, uh, a couple, and I've got to drive Tesla. And I know that there are going to be people listening to this who are huge fans of Tesla, which yeah. I'm not really a huge fan of any corporation. My problem is I can be a fan of people, of causes, but not a corporation, uh, especially with one who's led by a guy that has dubious ethics, if you will. Yep. And um, their build quality, though, is what would kind of prevent me from getting one. And it's more about... Ooh, what the hell was that? Did you step on the dog again? No, the dog's seen some people across the road. Yeah, tell him to kill him. Um, <laughs> I've seen what I would consider the basics being done very, very poorly. And like I said, I know there's people that, uh, listening that's going to be like, oh, every manufacturer has stuff and blah, blah, blah. And you're right. Every manufacturer occasionally has problems. All right. After an awkward break there, sorry, David had a dog issues um so yes tesla has had build quality issues but it's the build quality issues that you would not expect a car that would cost that much money and and gets rated as high as it does simply because fanboys like it so much um i'm talking about door handles just stop working i'm talking about windows that don't go up correctly i'm talking about trim pieces that aren't even lined up with the next trim piece over um, yeah. embarrassing things that you know even GM wouldn't wouldn't put in cars. Well, and yeah, this they is, seem to this get a is pass. A, yeah, that's this the part that is, bothers me. This is the part that that bothers me too. I mean, this is this is basically major safety functions of the car are turn signals for God's sake, which yeah. all they have to be is on a stalk, and instead they've yep. decided to route them through the touchscreen in the middle of the car, which is a big complicated piece of in, uh, electronics. Oh, and by the way, they cheaped out on the components, so now a few years after buying it, it's broken. And, yeah. you know, all of that will be forgivable if you, you called up Tesla and said, look, got a, this problem, they went, yeah, right, bring it in, we'll just change the chip, it'll be good. Instead they go, no, all you need to do is look over your shoulder, you don't actually need a turn signal. <laughs> it's just well, like crazy. But, that's a, but back up just a second, bring it in where, David? There's no yeah. there to bring it in. Yeah. If there's a problem, they dispatch someone to you. And yeah. who knows how long that's going to take. I know people who've waited two weeks for someone to come out and fix their car. Two weeks? Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's, I, I understand their model. Um, I think it's f- fundamentally broken. Now, I know we're going to get emails probably from people going, I've never had a problem with my Tesla. And I, the one time I did, they came right out the very next day. And great. That's not how it always goes, you know? Yeah. Um, that's right. I, I and, just and don't, also, I, I would not buy a Tesla right now, personally. No. And and for me, if you want to break the, uh, what and part of it was, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to break the car industry. Uh, they wanted to disrupt the car industry. That's the word they use, disruptive. But when mm-hmm. you disrupt something, I, I'd always assumed what you do is you take the best of what that does and combine it with something new to, to deliver something new, not throw yeah, out everything... Think. Yeah, not every, throw out everything that industry does and reinvent it all. And the bits you reinvented, some of it, some parts of it are great, and other parts of it aren't. Um, who wants to be part of that? And you, 
<laughs> and, and the problem is, you look at Musk's other companies, SpaceX, yeah, and their attitude is, well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll test it to destruction, and every time it fails, we learn something, and then we make it better the next time around. But the problem is, you can't really do that when somebody's paying money to drive your car. I mean, we've avoided even talking about it, but there's a there's there's quite quite a ground scale of criticism now that Tesla has oversold their self-driving car technology, and that people have died as a result because they rely on it in a way that is implied by or stated in the marketing, and in fact, it's not capable of it's not as capable as it's as it we're led to believe, you know. So yeah, but what about ism, David? But what about the other company <laughs> that does the thing and people died? What about that? What about that, David? Yeah, well, the the answer to that. But is what about that? No, too. see, see, no. It's just because you're a hater, man. You're yeah. just a hater because you can't afford a Tesla. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's the response you get. Yeah, I know. But what about ism? Yeah. Uh huh. So anyway, so, yeah, it's called the straw I'll man stop. argument, of course. Yeah. On the back of this, I wouldn't buy a Tesla, and I do, I do appreciate your point that auto manufacturers don't want to do recalls um and if they can avoid it they will avoid it but i think um this one is this one is not good and and it just adds yeah it adds to the other things that we've noted about tesla over the years so you know it's not good that's for sure um also what do you think about mark zuckerberg telling his staff to inflict pain on apple see right now there's a, a big brouhaha shaping up over the next iPhone OS update that is basically going to tell you, the owner of said iPhone, the user, hey, this website or this app wants to share your information. This is how they use it. Do you want to let them do so? Yeah. And I think it's, I get why Facebook is upset about this. I do. Because their business they're an advertising company and they want to take as much information that you provide and share it with every advertiser in the world that's what uh, they well, want to do all right i'm go- i'm going to stop you there to be honest with you facebook i think are better than many companies in that they don't want to share the information outside of facebook they want to use it inside facebook so uh, at least what but they're, they're not doing what they're not doing is they're taking your data and shit and selling it to other people. They may be allowing people to use it, um, but they are not passing the data outside of their control. And this is part of Facebook's argument is that, you know, we're, yeah, we're collecting a lot of data on you as you use our services, but that data is not going anywhere. So that's OK. Right. I I disagree with that. And as you know, I was well, a long time resistant true, to Facebook. Number, but it's also not true. Um because it came out during the 2016 election that if you um, used your own website with the Facebook APIs to display comments and stuff, those websites were able to access all your Facebook data because that's yeah. how Facebook set it up. So but, they but may not Facebook, sell yeah, the information, but yeah. they're giving it Face, out regardless. Face, Facebook there says you're using our comments API and our comments API accesses the other data we have about you. But it's all staying inside Facebook. The problem is it's all semantics. And this is but part of the But it's not staying problem. all inside Facebook because these websites that collected the data outside of Facebook. That's That well, was, the whole, the, the, that was the, part of the whole the, Russian the, hack, if you will. 
and and also this is this is this argument is very much along the lines of the ones the US government made when they were found by when it was re- um, released by um, Snowden that that they were intercepting metadata about your calls. Yep. They, they were seeing who you were calling, when you were calling them, and how long you were calling them for. And they were looking at that across your use, people's usage, and they were deriving data from that, even though they weren't um, listening to the calls themselves. The difficulty is, is that people like Facebook want to focus on the semantics and say, oh, well, we're not doing the things you think you do, you, we think we're doing, and we've got these protections and these protections without, without being honest to say... If you have this data and then you have other data and you join those two bits of data together, the reality is we can find an awful lot about you and your habits. Um, and, and they know that by Apple saying Facebook does this, this and this, when you fire it up on your iPhone, most people are going to go, don't want that, turn it off. Yep. Yeah. And that's going to affect their business. So that's why they're upset. Yeah. The difficulty oh, I know why they're is, upset. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but their business is dog shit. Well, their business, they is, yeah. their business they, they is, yeah. Their business is surreptitiously collecting data about sure. everybody uses their stuff, it, yeah. It, and if your business is, um, once it's pointed out to the customer, but their customer is actually the advertising companies, but their users, what they're actually collecting and what they're doing with it, there are, uh, sure, there'll be some people who go, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but there's going to be a lot who do care. And yep. they're not going to want to share that data. And I don't know why Facebook thinks they're entitled to that data to begin with, with, with never asking to begin with. It's one yep. thing if they would have said, hey, this is what we do. This is why you get to, you know, have these conversations with your family and your friends. This is why you get to see people's photos. Um, you can set up events. Um, you can promote your own business, that sort of thing. But this is what we get in return. There's going to be a lot of people that say sure, and there's going to be yeah. a lot of people that go, "That's too intrusive. I don't. I don't want to share that information with you." But they never did that, and so yeah. now that that all is going to come out to the average. See, people like you and me already knew about this. We've known about it since mm-hmm. Facebook started. We we're not stupid. We're um, tech savvy, and and it was obvious to us exactly what the implications of Facebook would be long term. If you would have asked us about this when we started this show, for instance, it was obvious. We, we already knew. Well, Which is yeah, why you were hesitant years, to I use Facebook. Use for, right. Yeah. But exactly. after a while, you're just like, I, I, the, the convenience of having Facebook outweigh the negatives. And well, I think a lot of people me, probably yeah. will agree with that. Yeah. And the, but the thing for me is I don't use Facebook as a personal social media portal. You know, I talk, I talk to people in our community yeah, uh, and I exchange stuff with my wife and a couple of friends, and it's mostly just chat. I don't put photos on there, really. Um, I don't have a whole load of personal information in there. I don't post what I'm having for lunch. Um, I uh, Most of the discussions I have are technical discussions on Facebook, and uh, I do that in the groups. Uh, and I sell the odd thing on Marketplace, which uh, is interesting. I've, one day we should talk about that because uh, the experiences I have on Marketplace really astonish me sometimes. But um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm careful about what I'm sharing on that. I'm sure I'm still sharing more than I think I am. Um, well, it's not just that what you're sharing. It's also because your wife is using Facebook and she is personal. Yeah. 
and, and she's associated it knows, with me. Yeah, so they already know a lot about you. Um, uh, and again, we had we had one of these situations the other day. Uh, my son wanted a, a, a metal poster. Uh, it's called a display, and these apparently are big things, and he wanted one with the portal um, logo on it. So we ordered one off Amazon, and it turns out the one we ordered from Amazon was a, was a, one of these rip-off ones. It, it's not metal. When we got it, it was canvas. It wasn't what we wanted. And so I, I said to him, I said, why didn't you just order it directly from the company's website? And I went there. And sure enough, within 20 minutes, my Facebook feed was surrounded by, fa- by display ads. Um, and then my wife's feed started being full wall-to-wall display ads. And she said to me, she said, why, is that? why am I suddenly all getting this? And it's exactly what that, what that is about. Yep. That's what they do. And yeah. They, they tell yeah, you that's you know, a good I, thing. <laughs> well, what they're saying is, and they're, and they're taking out ads, that this is Apple's war on small businesses. Because now Facebook is saying, with Apple doing this, you're not going to be able to market directly to the people in your community. This is a bad thing. Um, hey, Facebook, there's been advertising for 200 years now in newspapers, and it seemed to work just fine. Uh, just because you can't personally profit doesn't mean that Apple's against small businesses. It does not mean that small businesses are going to fail. Um, the arrogance of Facebook to think that they have some kind of inherent right, and not just Facebook, these online marketing companies, that they have an, an inherent right to that data yeah. is disgusting behavior. Google's as bad as Facebook when it comes to this. Let's not give them a pass. Yeah. If you're not paying a company, you are the product. It's oh, as simple and, and, as that. Yeah, and I would say probably Google is worse. Um, in, in some ways, worse is somewhat better. They, everybody, even the casual user, mostly knows that Google is all about capturing your advertising data. I suspect they right. don't know as much on Facebook. Everyone kind of realizes that Google is an advertising company, where Facebook positions itself as not. But the downside is Google well, is... Well, no, that's not true. They're no, both Google, advertising uh, companies. They are, but Google's Facebook... F- yeah, Facebook does not promote itself as an advertising company. It well, promotes does itself. Well, kind of does, kind of doesn't. Parts of it do. Not really. The problem with Google is it's so big and so sprawling. But but you know, I think that in the, in the mindset of many people, most people know that Google is an advertising company. I think most people don't think of Facebook as an advertising company for precisely the reason that they've not been upfront about that. But but kind of moving on from that point to a to a thing that we we. We don't realize how much Google is behind what goes on on the web. And and just to use that example of the display thing, yeah, I did the search for display on my Windows computer, my work Windows computer, and it, it appeared in Facebook straight away. That was nothing to do with Apple. I wasn't on Apple devices, yeah? The difference would have been, had I been on an Apple device, uh, and we don't know what the answer to this is yet, I don't know when we get this prompt and you turn it off What's well, going to happen? It hasn't is rolled Facebook, out yet. Yeah. No, but what's going to happen? Is Facebook going to not run because it can't capture that data from you, or is it going to run um, and just be the same experience as normal, but not be able to capture that data? Or are they going to? I suspect they'll do the second thing and then try and find workarounds. Um, oh yeah, and no Apple, question. A, and Apple will be constantly paying whack a mole trying to stop them because they've done this before. Yep. They've used yep. things that are in direct dereliction of Apple's policy to um to gather more data and they've not told anybody about it the difficulty is is that 
Um, and I think that to play devil's advocate for a moment, part of Facebook's position is that Apple is not holier than thou over this. They take billions of dollars every year to allow Google to be the default search engine on, on, the, on the iOS devices. It's about $15 billion a year. Uh, yep. And Apple has their own advertising platform. And they're probably a fair bit less straightforward about what they capture on their own users for the, for use in their own advertising pr- platform than perhaps they are about what what um they what Facebook users capture. Yeah, and there's ways to actually turn off a lot of the uh, information that Facebook captures, but it's so buried that almost nobody will ever find it. So. Uh, and and they change it all the time, so you yeah. can turn things off, and then you find that they inadvertently on. come back on again. And yeah, it uses very yeah. disingenuous wording. Yeah, there. I don't think there's any clean company when it comes to this stuff i think that they all have things that we don't like but there's a trade-off do you want to use facebook and do you want to uh use it to its full extent if so you're probably willing to give up some of those privacy issues obviously i am i've been using it since realistically since facebook opened itself up to those outside just college campuses that's how long i've been on facebook but Mm. I've been aware of what their long-term goals were, even from the beginning, that, well, they're going to be showing ads at me, and they're going to know where I live. Um, if I check into places, they're going to know where what I like. If I talk about products that I bought, they're going to know what I like to buy. Um, so I was aware of all that, and I was okay with it. I was. It's, it's fine with me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy when it comes to stuff like that, so... I didn't care. And occasionally they do show me ads that for products that I want to buy. You know, I yeah. I, I bought one not too long ago. I think I talked about it on the show. Um, it was supposed to be a lamp, and they sent me a LED string set. Um, yeah. I blew them up. Every time I found their ad on Facebook, I would leave nasty comments with a picture of what they actually sent. And I had a lot of people thanking me. And a lot of times the company would respond like, "Hey, that's not us. That's another company. No, it's you. Hmm. Um, you can you can well, start that, yeah. these new companies on Facebook as much as you want, but I know it's yours. And every time I find you, I'm going to post the comments. Yeah, because um, they're all the same company coming out of China, and they're ripping yeah. people off. Yeah, now, are and, they ripping and, everybody off? No, they probably do send yeah. out some of those products to some of their customers, but yeah, I would just so they can say that they're doing it. Um, but you know, places like PayPal that eventually will ban them uh, or Facebook that gets enough complaints. It's just, again, like you said, it's a whack-a-mole. They're going to have to keep going after it and they keep starting a new one. Now, I did order this really cool Little Mermaid uh, wall lamp clock thingy for my wife. She's big into Little Mermaid. But she doesn't have mm-hmm. any more space to put her Little Mermaid collection. In fact, Brooke's middle name is Ariel because of Little Mermaid. All right. And... Um, it looks pretty cool. They sent me a tracking number after I ordered it, and a Google search of that track number just kept coming up. This document doesn't exist anywhere. Zero results, which is pretty weird Yeah. when you look for Google and there's no results. It's like, really? Uh, you can even put in random numbers usually or uh, letters and numbers, and it will come, something will come up. Uh, yeah. This, nothing. And the company wasn't responding to the emails or anything. So finally, I put in a dispute on eBay or on a uh, PayPal because that's what I paid for. Yeah. It's not expensive. It's like 30, 40 bucks. And uh, the company responded right away to that. 
shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually have to go to a certain website that shows me the, the actual tracking. And it's in Illinois right now. So I'll give them a week. And if I don't have it within a week, I respond on PayPal yeah. saying, this is a scam. They're not sending me anything. You can check their own link and see that it's it's yeah. BS. So, I, you know, occasionally I will find stuff on Facebook that is clearly an ad designed to go directly to me. And they will get my money because it looks like a cool product. I got a pair of shoes that I uh, I can't wear right now. It's too much snow and it's cold. Um, but I, I get more compliments on this pair of shoes that I've ever got on anything like that. Yeah. Uh, um, my mm-hmm. wife doesn't like them, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> in fact, most women go, and yeah. most guys go, oh, I like your shoes. So I don't and know. Have they got lasers in the tips of the, the, tips of the uh, ties? Well, of course. I'm the one that bought them. Yeah, if they were right here, I was going to show them to you. But there's there's not great podcasting for you to show me on the video. That no, no, but I but they could hear your reaction. Yeah, the gagging Um, reflex sound. The look, that's part of the problem with with Facebook advertising in general is that there is no quality control. I've seen ads for products, and I've I've gone, I've seen that product before. There was one a couple of weeks ago for one of these um, these uh, writing. It's called the Remarkable. It's a writing tablet, so it's got an ink screen, and you write on it as if it's paper, right? And they're they're about four hundred four hundred dollars something like that, yeah. And I saw an advert for one on Facebook, and it was like twenty five dollars, and they it was exactly the same copy. They'd used all their pictures, they'd used all their videos, they'd used all their text, and you know that's yeah. obviously a scam if you've seen yeah. the product before. A lot of people are going to go, oh, $25, that looks pretty cool, and they're going to buy it, and they're going to get ripped off. And, yep. um, you know, And at 25 bucks, that's not worth going through the rigmarole trying to get your money back. That's what these well, companies in China, and I hate to say this, I don't want this to be some kind of a racist rant against China, but I'm sorry, that's where all these products are coming from and no, all these companies pro- yeah. are selling on Facebook. They're all Some coming of them, out of yeah. China. Some of the products here are coming from um, Russia and uh, the Eastern European countries as well. So basically, look, yeah, unfortunately, you know a lot of this. There's there's a level of organized crime behind it. Um, sure. It's, it's about money laundering. It's about uh, ripping people off. It's about, yeah. you know, short-term gains. You know, you get 100 people, click on a $25 ad, uh, a twenty-five dollar products thing, and you you know you paid Facebook um, fifty dollars for that campaign, then you know you're in profit, um, and that's what that's what companies do. And 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 then the even if half of those people dispute it and get their money back, that's still a lot. You still made a bunch of money. Well, the problem is on Facebook. Facebook's not involved in that dispute process. No. Yeah, Facebook is very hands off, right? Unlike eBay and unlike Amazon and that sort of thing, where you know, for many years it was like that, but now nowadays on eBay, if you get involved and you say I've been ripped off, eBay makes sure you get your money back. So, um, it, but, should there be some kind of a regulation? And obviously, it would have to be worldwide. That Facebook, if they're advertising a product and you're ripped off, they are responsible. Well, you, you could try and do that, but the problem is Facebook, as they're doing with the Apple thing, they resist anything like that. Um, well, tooth and let's nail. talk about our next story because Facebook went nuclear on Australia. Australia passed inherently one of the dumbest laws I've ever seen in my life. Um, It shows a complete lack of understanding of what the internet is about, what it was designed for, and um, 
Yeah, Australia's really, got really dumb. Australia's got form in this this regard. Their legislators don't really understand the internet. No. So what they did was they passed a law that says if you're going to link to a Australian news website, you have to pay that company to show the news. Yeah. Which yeah. at its face you think, well, you know, okay, Facebook and Google are showing news content from this website for free. So they have people reading the content on their website. Should why why wouldn't they have to pay? They're, but mm. that's not what they're doing. Um, so as an example, let's say there's a something going on in your neighborhood. And your local newspaper in Australia has an article about it. So you post a link. You're not reading the story at Facebook. It's just a link. You might see the first yeah. sentence or something in the headline, but you click it and you go to that publisher's website. That's how it works. Yeah. Well, Facebook or Australia is now saying, no, you have to pay for that link, Facebook. Hmm. In what world do they think that Facebook would have said, oh, yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, well, so they the just, they, they, they're banning all links to any news organization in Australia. I've tried it and it so, won't, yeah. it won't do it. So, so, um, there's two points to this. First of all, when Facebook instituted that ban, they virtually banned linking of anything in Australia. I mean, it, it was really badly implemented. Um, but secondly, the reason that, that Facebook looks like an outlier here is because Google, after resisting this for many long, for many long time, cut a deal. And they said, right, well, we'll, we'll pay. Yeah. Um, so Facebook, Facebook are going, well, well, the Australian government are going, well, Google paid. Why aren't Facebook going to pay? You know, um, it's difficult because the problem is, is the terms used like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to post a link. Like you say, it's not strictly a link, just in the same way that if I post a link into our show notes, we get a little snippet of the image and we get the um, first couple of lines and we might get a headline and stuff like that. So there is content being lifted by Facebook. I think what the Australian government and the Australian publishing industry's argument is, is that, you know, these guys are, dr are driving traffic to their website on the back of our work and it's not fair. The difficulty is, is that it's just not that simple. A link is not simply a link anymore. And just in the same way, traffic is not traffic anymore. Yeah. Facebook gets a benefit when you click on a link that's been posted on Facebook, because we've just been talking about this. They know you went there. Yep. And to be honest with you, that is more important to them, yeah, than the story. Facebook's not interested ever in lifting the story and posting it on Facebook so you never go to the uh, the writer's website, yeah? They, that's not their business. Their business is knowing what you clicked on, right? So Facebook's attitude is, we don't want to pay for this news because we don't care about it. We just want to know what people are clicking on. Uh, and Google's slightly different because Google's always had a more blurry line between uh, clicking on content than in their search results and actually lifting enough of the content and presenting inside Google that means you don't ever go to the supplier, yeah? Because Google yep. is very much about keeping traffic inside Google, yeah? But Facebook doesn't care if you go out as long as they know you went. And so their attitude is, we're not going to pay for this because we, we're, not, we're not lifting that content, you know, and and this so is where it comes term, down I to think people Facebook not understanding. Gonna win this. Facebook's going to win this because what's going to happen is the people that the news organizations in Australia who want people to read their content is going to see a massive reduction of people coming to their website and reading yeah. their content. 
And that means their advertising is going to go. And so it's going to backfire on them. Um, Yeah. And and also as well, we talked about those Facebook tools and APIs. I presume you you now can't use those on a, on an Australian news site, which means you haven't turned those off, but they will eventually if it, if they will, of course they will. Yeah. Yeah. Why would they not? Yeah. Um, I, I think that, um, this is one of the dumbest laws I've seen in a long time, and that's saying yeah. something. Um, but you know what? It is what it is. It's going to be switched over eventually, but it gives us content and stuff to talk about. Speaking <laughs> of, remember way back in the day, David. Now, this was before you were into Max, of course. Uh, you're still, well, it's actually, it was about the same time you were kind of switching over when, when uh, Napster was kind of a big deal. Yep. And... For those too young to remember or know, uh, Napster was an online search engine application that you could download on your computer that you just type in the name of a song and you'd find all these different links that you could download that song. You could download entire albums. Um, There were so many. There wasn't a song that I ever looked for using Napster that I couldn't find. Because everything was there. Everything. Well, because it was was, really huge in college dorms. Yeah, it was peer to peer sharing. So it was very much an early version of what torrenting is now. So the idea was you loaded the Napster client, and any music you had on your computer was then available. Yeah, was then available to any other user on Napster. Uh, And basically, all people were doing were exchanging their song collections. And that's what Napster facilitated. And Napster's defense, when they start being attacked for this, and, and a family defense is, well, we're not sharing the content. All we're doing is we're acting as a mediator in the middle. We, don't blame us if our users are uh, sharing copyrighted songs rather than non-copyrighted songs. Now, that's a legal flim-flam. We all know that. Um, and Napster well, was eventually... Court. Yeah, it, it was eventually forced to go away as a result of that. But that's what Napster was like. But one when this started to happen, one of the... Uh, one or two of the most leading... Um, enemies of napster were metallica yep the uh the rock band yeah who basically said we don't want people stealing our music we think people should should you know they, they were kind of for you know they were early, to be fair to them they were early proponents of you know criticizing what was going on which was people were pirating their music and everyone yeah, else's but the problem was the way they went about doing it yeah look like here is the super rich band going mm-hmm. after poor, broke college kids. Yeah. Um, and they did a piss-poor job of getting their message out correctly. Yeah. Uh, I was never against the the message, or I was against the message. I was not against what Metallica was advocating, which is stop stealing. Yeah. If you want our music, buy it. Um, what they seemed to fail to grasp was at that time anyways, it was piss poor copies of their music because MP3s had to be small and they were compressed and they mm. didn't sound great. And people who were downloading stuff on Napster, um, it was actually facilitating people going out and buying the CDs. They were yeah. downloading an album off Napster in a low bit rate, listening to it, liking it, and then going out to either Amazon at the time or the yeah. local record store and buying the CD. And you can see that when Napster first came out, what happened to record sales actually went up, uh, which is a a statistic that the record industry really wasn't talking about a whole lot. So Uh, Metallica comes out and it looks like... 
Go ahead. The record in you know, the record industry, the problem was was that they their lawyers uh, advised them to go over the, after the wrong target because yeah, as yeah. you say, these the people who are using Napster were music fans. Yeah, yes. it wasn't it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do back then, and bandwidth no. was low and everything like that. These were hardcore music fans in the main, uh, and and it looked like the, they were attacking their own fan base. Well, yeah, because the lawyers bad. the lawyers started started filing lawsuits against individual right. Napster users, saying yep. you copied this, you copied this, that one's worth twenty five thousand dollars, that one's worth fifteen thousand uh, dollars, and bankrupting people, and it was really not a good look. Yeah, because it was bad. You're right, because yeah, as we said, the, the people they should have been going after was Napster themselves. Uh, yes. But initially, did, I think but... they, yeah, and it well only after the backlash because of when they started going after individual people. Right. So it was a really yeah. bad look, and Metallica was at front and center, and it looked like Metallica's suing this twelve-year-old kid because he shared some music, and now his parents are going to lose their house because of it. Yeah. It was a really bad look, Metallica. Um, obviously they weathered the storm and they've came through it but there was a time there that that wasn't a sure thing um, uh, also I'd argue Metallica are nowhere near as big as they used to be and I think this is probably part of it you know you're probably I mean, right you know if you look yeah. at a company or look at a band like U2 which was huge at the time is still huge at the time whereas yeah. Metallica they've there's a lot of people who won't listen to Metallica because of what they did back then I, yeah. I was a huge Metallica fan for a long time. Really was. It. It's the band that I've seen more times in concert than any other band. It's not even close. And I had a bad taste in my mouth because of Metallica at the time. And I think that this new story that we're going to talk about, Metallica decided to, uh, as part of BlizzCon, uh, kind of have a garage concert, if you will. It was just the mm-hmm. band members and some camera guys they were playing music and it was meant to be streamed over the internet. The problem is <laughs> Twitch got twitchy and got worried that they were going to get hit with a copyright claim and yep. fined potentially. So in the middle of this concert, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny, actually Twitch switched from Metallica's music. You can still see him playing. But they went to this eight-bit music stuff in the background, <laughs> or, and it was like the most unmetallica music you've ever. Did Did you watch any of that? Because no, it's, I didn't. It's just hilarious because they're rocking well, it, out, and then all of a sudden yeah. it's like Super Mario Brothers theme type. Well, of music. exactly. Yeah, it was. It was like a, it was some folk accordion piece that somebody had had redone, and had you know presumably the lawyers at Twitch were going oh well they've they've cleared copyright for this they have the right to distribute that we have the right to play it so let's just put this in obviously nobody listened to it and so it goes from from you know yeah Metallica's hardcore you know guitar chunking and everything like that to, to the folk version and it's just it just shows to be honest with you it shows how uh, ridiculous um copyright law and the way it's implemented at the moment is apparently twitch are twitchy because uh last year they want to be sued they got they got well they got there was a threat of a lawsuit and they basically went out and wiped um i can't remember we talked about this at the time but they basically pulled a load load of people's streams who had music playing in the background where they were while they were playing games yeah and they basically said it's because of copyright uh and they did it without telling anybody so um 
you know, uh, that's what they did. And uh, they're presumably absolutely terrified of the music industry or the copyright people coming down on them. And this is their solution, which, uh, yeah, is, is on, one, on one level is amusing, but on another level, it's just like stupid, absolutely stupid. Um, you know, and it shows that these the way these companies interoperate is not right. You know, if BlizzCon is publishing something, they should make sure that the legal clearances for anybody who might be streaming that are sorted. Or if they're not sorted, they should make it perfectly clear so the companies involved can can put a block on it so they can't inadvertently breach somebody's copyright. But this business where everybody's trying to guess whether they're actually um, doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing and whether they're exposing themselves to a legal challenge or not is just ridiculous, especially for a company like Twitch, which, you know, the whole ethos is anybody can sign up an account and then can, can stream things. Um, and Twitch seems to have gotten itself to a position where all of a sudden they have to be the copyright police on every Twitch stream. And it's just, it's obviously unworkable. So what the hell's going on here? You know, but I, I don't understand if this is what's crazy about copyright law is that if BlizzCon can publish something publicly on the Internet... Yeah, I don't. I to me, that's having it. To, it's having your cake and eating it to say, well, we're going to stream it on the internet, but if you don't get it from us, we're going to send the copyright lawyers after you. And the fact is that nobody mm. should be afraid of that in that position. You know, a public performance is a public performance. Yeah, I know Whether they're used to public online yeah, they, or not. Yeah, they. I know they're used to when they, you know, when Metallica or any other uh, band does a concert in a venue, they're used to being able to say, well, you can't record this, you can't distribute Correct. it, you can't do that. You know, they used to be able to do that, but you can't apply those same things online if you're just putting it out to the general internet. Or can you? I mean, well, at what point do you say, hey, just because, you know, I'm broadcasting live doesn't mean you can start sharing it on every website in the world. Yeah. You have to come to my is, website to see it. Because that's it, where I'm again, getting paid we, to show it. We talked about whack-a-mole. It's in, but you're, you're basically, <laughs> you're effectively standing at the beach and you're yes. saying, okay, well, I don't want my feet to get wet, so I'm not allowing the water to touch me. I don't care if it goes everywhere else, yeah? But if, if the water's going to touch me, you need a license. It's, it's that sort of argument because it's just unstoppable. You can't, once it's out there, you can't stop it because how are you going to legally find every single person who shares it? So isn't it a better approach to say, this is a public performance. We're putting it on the internet. Let people share it. Let people see it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then the message that we're sending out is fine. If you don't like that, if you don't like that Metallica, don't perform online. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. And it seems like bands like Metallica and they don't understand even to this day and let's be honest they're a little bit older than you and i so i get it yeah um they don't really get the online thing and what it really really means and now you have to embrace it rather than fight it we should say we criticized metallica for all their napster shenanigans we have no idea whether metallica imposed this requirement on twitch no they didn't i did find out they didn't yeah right so this is stupid but this is an exam, a direct example of the chilling effect, where as, as, the, as the term is used in copyright yeah. law, the chilling effect of legal overreach is basically you make people terrified to do something they might legally be allowed to do 
because you've been so heavy-handed. I mean, what makes me laugh is we've got this article here in Engadget, and even in Gadget, they've got a link to BlizzCon 2021, but they won't put a performance, uh, they won't put a screenshot of the BlizzCon thing on the story because uh, they're also presumably scared of copyright problems. Uh, they did put a link, and did you see the, twi- uh, the uh, Twitter thing down there? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so but, but then right around but, the yeah. 25 second, 20 second mark is when they switch over, and you can actually listen to it. And it's, yeah. it's hilarious. It is. Yeah. But it's stupid. Oh my God, it's so funny. You know, it, it, this is a prime example of, you know, when people say the law is an ass. Yep. This is, this is precisely what it is. Tell, tell your wife um, she can come down because it's not broadcasting live. It's only, it's only me and Tim, so you can no, come. You're on Facebook, aren't you? No, we're not no. on Facebook today. See, she's scared of Facebook. She's, we're we're she's, good. Yeah, Tim can see her. She's skulking at the top of the stairs. She, 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 scu- come down, she, she doesn't want to come down and be on Facebook, camera. but no. <laughs> Tell her I said we're not broadcasting You're, the video live at all. We're not, we're not broadcasting live. It's just me and And I'm Tim. not even recording the video. We're very sure, and he's not even recording the video. The off, oh, I've still got to send the camera off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, stop video. There we go. You're safe. Oh, <gasps> what is she wearing? <laughs> and you want to talk about chilling effects of Facebook? There you go. There you go. There. Right there. There you go. <laughs> My wife, to be uh, to to be fair to her, Julie does not like her picture taken. She does not want any kind no. of video of, of live video of her on Facebook. No, Leanne is the same. She, in fact, she just walked past me saying, "You can't see me, can you?" No, I cannot. <laughs> she's saying, she's saying, how come Tim's Tim noticed noticed me before you did? Because I can. I'm looking at the video. And you, you're looking at the video. Yeah, I'm looking at yeah. the video of you, and I'm a tiny little thing in the corner. Right. I'm not so from from my screen, you're at the very. T- I'm at the very top, tiny little thumbnail, yeah. but you're yeah. practically the full screen. So I can see yeah. her way sooner all- than you could. Yeah, I'm I'm also on the iPhone, so my screen is not particularly large either. Yeah, that was so. funny though. <laughs> it's uh, it's I I get why Julie doesn't want to be. Uh, I've tried to get her to come on the podcast before, and yeah. I challenge you to go back and look through any of the My Mac episodes, any of OWC, any of Geeky Show ever, any show that we've done in the past, and you will never hear Julie on that show ever. See, I'm not. Fortunately, Leanne's out of earshot now, but she doesn't know that people heard her on the show. Yeah, no, <laughs> let's not she, tell her that. She told me. <laughs> no, so, she, yeah, any, Julie is not great in crowds. You know, right. she yeah. like w- like when when I would get up there at um, Max Talk, and there's what maybe 200 people there, 150 yeah. people there in the audience, and I talk to everyone, and I'm kind of making fun of myself, making jokes and stuff. Um. You would never, ever see Julie doing that. She couldn't. It's not in her DNA. Yeah, no, um, it's, it is a skill that a lot of people are terrified of speaking in public to strangers who was it? or even was to it, people they know. Was it George Carlin who said, uh, made the joke that people's biggest fear is not death? That's number two. Number one was fear of public speaking, which means more people would be comfortable in the casket rather than giving the eulogy which 
I'm totally giving the eulogy. I don't want to be in the cast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Which is, to me, it's crazy because I don't have any fear of standing in front of a crowd. Um, I remember Guy Searle and I at Macworld Expo on the big, big stage doing our yeah. show. Um, I remember being uh, at Macworld Expo doing the contest. I don't know if you were ever there for any of the times that we did the contest. Not for the contest. Um, where we actually we, go to a booth and do giveaways and trivia? Yeah, and well, stuff like that. I saw I saw you do one. I wasn't involved. Yeah, um, and uh, and Guy and I did did a show once at, at MacWorld as well. So I mean, I've got of videos like, of that. That was on yeah. the smaller stage. It was, yeah, yeah. It was a yep. smaller thing. Um, it was more like a booth show. So yeah, because really, it's just you guys sat there talked to each other the whole time, and that was the show. Whereas when Guy and yeah. I did it. We were very much interacting with the audience and stuff, and he would yeah. he would go right out to the audience with the microphone. Um, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I actually enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. If I've got something to talk about, but I think that that is from my. I really seriously considered for many many years of maybe trying stand up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of my heroes is George Carlin, for yeah. his material. Um. I think that he is the intelligent person's comedian was obviously he's dead. Um, but the way he would get up there and deliver his stories and his engagement with the audience, um, I found it fascinating, but what's kind of ironic is Julie surprised me years ago with concert tickets to see George Carlin at Mm -hmm. uh, the state theater here in Michigan, Kalamazoo. And it was in preparation of his HBO special. Cause every year George Carlin would come out with an HBO special or every two years yeah. maybe. And it was, I, I love those specials. It was so great. So I thought this is going to be fantastic going and seeing George Carlin live. And it wasn't, and it wasn't that he didn't have the material down. He did, even though the HBO special that came out soon thereafter was a little bit more polished, if you will, uh, yeah. a little bit more rehearsed. Um, he was so far away that when he's doing his, his facial expressions thing that he used to do or the little pause, quiet pauses, it came across on the television is more intimate to you, the the viewer. Whereas when you're in the audience, it lost a lot of that impact. Um, So that just reinforced my belief that while in some respects, television is a better medium Especially for comedy that. like that. Um, yeah, I'd but, agree with that. But some of them, some comedians I've seen in concert, you know who Tommy Chong is, yes? Yeah. Cheech and Chong? Mm-hmm. I saw him in concert uh, at a very small comedy club, and there was maybe 50 people in there. And he had tailored a lot of his jokes and commentary, because not everything's, it's just, it wasn't joke, joke, joke. It was commentary, and he played the guitar and sang some mm-hmm. and told some stories. But it was very specific to here. Yeah. You know, he would make references to local things. And that's the, the kind of the genius of a really good comedian when he could bring it more personal, that he yeah. obviously made this for you. And yeah. that was powerful. Tommy Chong was awesome in concert. It was way more than I've ever seen him on video, um, you know, on television yeah. doing stand up or anything. It just wasn't as good. But when it's when you're sitting right there, it was just so much more powerful. 
So I always thought, I kind of want to be that guy. I kind of want to get up on the yeah. stage and tell things and make people laugh. Making them laugh was the most important. I wanted to get up there and get yeah. the laughter reaction, yeah. whether I'm the angry guy and they're laughing at, you know, that I'm being pissed off or that I'm saying something that's very clever that they all went, oh, my God, yeah, that's funny. I always kind of yeah. wanted to be that guy. So when I get on stage at a Macworld Expo or a Mac stock or what have you, my default is to try to go for the funny. And you've mm-hmm. probably seen that at Mac stock. I've, yep. I've, I kind of try to be funny. doesn't always work, but... Even if I'm the butt of the joke, I'm the thing that I'm making fun of, which I generally am. I, that's what I like. That's what I like to do. Yeah. So I yeah. get why Julie or Leanne doesn't want to do that. Not everybody yeah. has that in their DNA. I was having a conversation online with a podcaster the other day, and um, he was saying that we were talking about um, so, uh, buying some equipment um, that he wants to buy of me. And he was saying that, that you know he used to, he's a live performer, and for the last nine, ten months, not been able to perform. So he's trying to get into podcasting and, and live streaming his stuff, and he's finding it very difficult. And I said, I said, sometimes... From a technical aspect, you know, or...? No, no, just from a, uh, from a confidence aspect. He said, you know, I oh. can get up in front of a, an audience of 200 people, and it doesn't bother me, but streaming it, um, I find far more difficult. And I said, the problem is, is that... You know, and I remember when I used to record segments for the shows rather than do them live. Yeah. Is it's quite intimidating to be staring at a blank screen and a microphone in front of you. It is. Um, yeah. Even if you're just recording it for yourself, you become very, very self-conscious. So I said to well, him, I said, and also, uh, if if it's easier to have a conversation, yeah. Why I like doing this show with you. It's it's you yeah. and I. It's the interaction. I've done shows by myself, and I think I'm quite good at them. But Guy Searle's been podcasting almost as long as I have, maybe a year and a half less, if that. Um, He doesn't like doing live or solo shows. If it's a solo show, he'll just skip that week and wait till gas comes back. But he's getting better. He likes to to do the live streaming now in the car and stuff like that, doesn't he? Yeah, but that's different when it's the, yeah, he's way better than he used to be. He's he's more confident. And quite honestly, he's good by himself. And I I said to this guy, I said, you know what? I said, if it's the streaming thing that's intimidating you, and I said, I can understand that because you're not getting the audience feedback you're normally used to. Yeah. So I, I said, you know, normally you're playing and you can see people's reactions you know whether they're liking it or not and you can respond and adjust to that and you can't do that when you're just uh, doing a live stream right. so i said i said what i would advise you to do is record a couple of, sh- of shows as if they were live stream but just record them to yourself and then play them back and see what you think works what you think doesn't use that to polish your performance once you've done that a few times you're kind of broken past it a little bit mm-hmm. and i the other thing i said to him is that you know, I said, when you're streaming, I said, the difference with a club is that if, if you're in a club, 200 people there, and there are 30, 40 people who hate your music, most of them are probably too polite to get up and walk out. So they're sitting there disliking your music and you have no idea. Yeah. I said, on a stream, anybody can leave anytime they want to. If there are, if there's more than one person on your stream, then you know the people who are listening to it like what you're doing and you're doing it for them. You know, and, and he, he, he kind of said to me, he said, I've never thought about it like that. You know, that that's really, you know, that's really kind of different uh, approach to it. But, you know, that's that's the advantage of, of doing this. The advantage of this is that, um, you know, we do this. If anybody doesn't like it, they turn it off. If they don't like it week by week, 
they'll they'll not listen to it. But the exactly. people who do listen to it presumably like it or they enjoy watching a car crash in slow motion. One of the things <laughs> I tell people when they're first getting into podcasting, and I haven't helped a new podcaster in a very long time now, but that was kind of our thing with the Spotlight Network and the mm-hmm. original uh, and what we do now with the MyMac Podcasting Network is help those who want to record the show but they don't want to worry about anything else as far as the back end or where the show gets posted or any of that stuff the rss um the idea is that i would try to give them is the first 10 shows are going to suck bad yeah and as much as you think you know what your show is going to be about and that you've pre-planned um by show 20 it's going to be different than you thought it was going to be yeah and that is just what you have to accept, that you're going to be awful on the mic. The first 10 shows are going to be embarrassing, and you're never going to listen to them 20 years down the line. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be your best work. It's, but it's also not, if you stick with it, it's not what you're going to be remembered for. You're going to be remembered for when it gets good and people start listening. Um, so the only way to get good at it is to start doing it. Don't procrastinate. Yeah. Don't worry about who's listening, who's watching. How what the audience is, what they think of the content, just start recording. Yeah. Because if you have a unique voice, and not everybody does, and they can still be successful, but if you have a unique voice, and I don't mean the way you sound, I mean your actual voice, and you like it, you're going to be successful whether you have one person listening or a million people listening. Because if you're doing it, to build an audience. If that's your goal, I want to create this thing to build the biggest audience in the world to listen to this podcast, you're going to fail. Yeah. You have to do it because you like doing it. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do podcasting because it's in my DNA. Um, I started right at the beginning of podcasting, right at the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, growing up, I thought, there was a lot of different things that I explored that I wanted to do, I thought. But I took broadcasting classes. Uh, I did a s- quick, small internship at a uh, FM radio station, you know, because I wanted to be that DJ that's introducing the music, you know, that's mm-hmm. saying, hey, there's traffic on blah, 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 and hey, there's been an accident, um, reading the news. Yeah, not the news so much. But I wanted to be the guy talking. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't that I didn't think I could do it. I found out how much those people made, and I went, <laughs> no, <laughs> Maybe I'm, not. Not, I'm not doing that, no. Oh, well, yeah. But then, then how much are we, are we making right now, Tim? <laughs> millions. Millions and millions. But that's the point, though. Um, yeah. You know, when you're on the radio and you're DJ and you're getting maybe 30 grand a year to, to be that guy. Yeah. Um, that's fine, but you don't own that content. That's not yours. No. Whereas no. this is ours it's our voice it's our content we can say whatever we want we can record whenever we want about any topic that we want to talk about um you know it's ours and to me the conversation i used to listen to the podcast back all the time religiously i i can't tell you the last time i listened to a tech fan or a geeks pub back um because it's this conversation between you and me that I like so much and I don't like it as much when I'm listening to it back because I know where it's going. There's no surprises. Um, 
I will listen to them all back eventually. But to me, the more enjoyable is the guy who half of the team that's talking about it, you and I, I'm more interested in listening to it five years from now. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, remember so the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it brings back cool memories and maybe I won't remember what I said. Or um, one of the things that I remember really focusing on inadvertently when I would listen to our old episodes with that, we just did that week. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have said that. Yeah. Oh, I should have said that. And I was constantly critiquing myself. And I think that's one of the reasons I stopped listening to recent episodes because it just became exhausting. It's like, yeah, man, I, I, I'm not going to continue to do that because it's just not worth it. Um, yeah. So for the, the guy you were talking to, if you're going to give me any more advice, if you talk to him again, tell him, just start doing it. Stop yeah. overthinking it. Stop worrying about all the little minute things. Just hit record and broadcast and do it, and keep and, doing it. And of course, it. yeah, of course, this is a tech show, and you know, I'm often asked by people, "Oh, what, what, what gear do you use? What gear do you need? You yeah. don't need any gear nowadays. You don't need any gear. Pick up nope. your phone, put on the voice recorder, and talk into it. Is all you need. Tiny. Yeah. What when you, you know, as you as you go along, you start publishing it. You start. Um, polishing it and everything like that, then you can worry about improving your gear. Yeah. But the important thing is to be talking into a microphone and recording it. Uh, and then Those just email just wait someone. and wait and yeah. wait. You'll never do it. You know, you never yeah, or, will. Or go, oh, well, I haven't got a, I haven't got a proper microphone. Uh, I've only got a headset, so I'm, I'm not going to do it now. Or I've only got a crappy computer. And you right. know, people, people used to write albums. I mean, the, the first uh, Tubular Bells album from Mike Oldfield. You know the one from The Exorcist, yeah. Yeah. Was written, it, he started doing that on the tape recorder, yeah? yeah. He was he was developing that, and then Virgin came along and gave him some studio time, but but effectively he started doing that on tape recorder, and an awful lot of things have been recorded, you know, just a guy strumming a microphone into a tape recorder, or singing into a tape recorder, or speaking into a tape recorder. Yeah. You know, nowadays we have technology that means even the very most basic worst recording you can make will sound like it came from a studio from the 70s yeah yeah so it's, it's way <laughs> better know, than it ever you, was before and it's yeah. relatively cheap that's the thing that exactly they overlook yeah. it's cheap to get a professional sounding podcasting rig 750 bucks tops yeah if that yeah which is compared to what you used to have to spend is oh. is still peanuts it yeah. was never really all that expensive. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. David, thanks for uh, video and, and audioing in today. We're going to figure out how to broadcast this stuff live. We'll we'll get back to it eventually. Yeah. Um, some logistics that we still need to work out, how we want to do it. I didn't record this episode uh, on video, although that is an option, and then just upload it to YouTube. I'd rather go the live route so we can get a little interaction. Um, but, yeah. you know, we're kind of like I just said, we're just getting used to it right now. We're just playing with yeah. it. There yeah. are, I've seen, I've seen some services that let you do all of that. Um, so, you know, they handle the communication, they handle the video uh, and give you a video feed. You can then stream yep. out and do that. And some of them are, are um, probably for the level of the amount of content we're generating every week are probably free. So yeah, those probably. are the sort of things that we need to we need to look into. But I it's research. I didn't find any of the free ones though. 
At least none that will let you go to Facebook and YouTube. Those are the only two that I really care about. Twitch, that's a gaming site that doesn't really... Although with my background, maybe it would. And when I say my background, I don't mean my personal background. I mean the actual background behind me with all the video game crap (laughs) all over the place. Including right there that you gave me. Right there. Mm -hmm. I also have... have, I don't... Have you seen this before? Right there? Game Boy. No, where my thumb, my my finger is. Uh, the iPod. It's next the original the iPod. iPod. The next original, to the original iPod, iPhone. Yeah. Those yeah. those are the originals. I thought that would be kind of worth putting up there. Like I've got, yeah. you know, over my shoulder the day we can see I've got all kinds of video game stuff. I've got <laughs> Commodore sixty four Mini. I got a Genesis Mini. The small ones are easy to display up there. Uh, pajama pants that are Batman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's on the vacuum cleaner. So. Again, we're going to wrap up this episode. We'd love to get feedback from you guys. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can also find us on uh, Facebook and on Twitter. Just look for techfanpodcast. You'll find us. You can always go to techfanpodcast.com or mymac.com to find the show notes, and you can leave comments on both places. And I will see you next week for another tech fan. We're actually going to go yeah. back-to-back tech fans over the next two weeks before we come back with um, Geek's Pub and that's because WandaVision has two episodes left and the next episode we really we want to focus on that because it's yeah. been fantastic we got some other geeky stuff to talk about as well uh, it should be uh, interesting and uh, the tech fan or the uh, what do you call it uh, Geek's Pub after that is when we're going to start talking about again some music that we yeah. really like in either television or movies. Yeah. Uh, we both have our next three picks. Mine are very good. Two of the three are very good from David. <laughs> yeah, there's one, there's one way uh, Tim wants to spend the next two weeks talking me off a ledge. <laughs> it's awful. All right, man, I'll talk to you then. <laughs> All right, then, bye. <laughs>